Awesome. Nice to meet you, man. You too. I uh, really appreciate you coming on. This is the first time I've had the opportunity to have anybody uh, that competes or hosts competitions or anything like that. There's not really a scene down here in Clarksville where I'm at. Uh, Clarksville. So is it eastern or western part of the state? I can't remember, actually. So uh, are you thinking of Indiana or Tennessee? Tennessee. Yeah, we're smack dab in the middle. Okay. So you're pretty much yeah. just probably straight south of us. Where I'm yeah, at. yeah. Yeah, you're in Campbellsville, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So um, you uh, have strength trained for 30 years, and you now compete in strongman for the past six and host competitions, correct? Yes, yeah. Awesome. So what's that experience? So let's kind of, to get started, uh, how did you begin your your weightlifting journey? Uh, I think I started mine probably like a lot of people did. Uh, I played football. I started playing when I was eight years old. Um, summer after my eighth grade year, we, uh, the coaches had a, well, those like five station universal weight stack things that had like a squad, a bench press, overhead press, all that in the locker room. Uh, they let us use it. Um, once I got to high school, uh, freshman year after my freshman year, um, the high school coach was actually a parent of a guy I had played football with since I was eight. And uh, so my family and him, they knew each other real well. But uh, the underclassmen were supposed to lift at like one o'clock in the afternoon during the summer. And both my parents worked, so I couldn't make it. And so the coach was basically told my dad, you know, if you can get him here at six in the morning, he can lift with the upperclassmen, but then he's got to go, you know, I can bring him home. You know, the coach, coach offered to bring me home. So, yeah, I kind of got thrown into uh, almost a trial by fire there because uh, – you know, I started lifting with the juniors and seniors as a, as a freshman. So that's, that's a pretty good advantage you had to have had playing like what JV at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Playing. Uh, well, I mean my sophomore year I was uh, second string varsity. Oh, nice. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was one of those things like I grew up on a farm. Uh, I mean, I, you know, ran fences, pulled fence posts, stuff like that since I was young. So I mean, I walked in. I remember walking in my first, literally first time in a weight room, in a true weight room. Uh, he put me with the juniors on the squat rack, the junior linemen. And they were like, jump in. And I was like, well, how much weight is it? They're like, don't worry about it. Just jump in and do it. <laughs> and uh, like, how many am I doing? They're like, well, try, try to get five. I'm like, okay. And I did five. And uh, I sat down. They all were just like, oh, that's awesome. And I was like, how much is it? Like, 315. Jesus. Like, oh, Yeah. But I've always been that way. Like my lower body has always been significantly stronger than my than my upper body. Like, just well, I mean, as a kid, I can remember like fourteen, fifteen years old when I first started lifting junior high. My dad actually we had a bunch of uh, trees that we cut down for fence posts, and they had to be drug out. But our tractor couldn't get down there, so my dad makes this harness and attaches me to it, and I was pulling, you know. 12 foot fence post out up a hill, you know, like just pulling them out, you know, just, I thought it was fun, you know, that's definitely fun. I mean, that had to have helped with a lot of strength training to begin with, like that farm boy strong kind of thing. Yeah. Farm boy strong and the mentality too. <clears throat> like, you know, just the, uh, yeah, yeah, it's hard, but I got to work, you know? That yeah. Was, get like, yeah, you have to get the work done no matter what. Yeah. I was never a talented guy uh, by no means, but I was, I'll be danged if anybody's going to outwork me. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I, I kind of, I kind of take the same approach to a lot of things. Like I see, like a lot of people, even when it comes to like the artistic world or anything like that. Like, I'm not, I'm not artistic, but like, you put some weights in front of me, and like, if if my coach tells me to do it, well, then I guess that's what I better do. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll do it, come hell or high water, you know. So after you were done with uh, football and all that stuff, um, did you get into like powerlifting first? So. Um... After I got out of high school for about a year, uh, or actually a couple years probably, um, I kind of just was in the gym just, that's what I knew. Because um, to be honest, by the time my junior, senior year rolled around, I liked football, but I wasn't in love with it. And basically the only reason I played football was because football players got access to the weight room. Right. So I was just in the gym, you know, I was lifting, I was trying different programs and, you know, I was, I was doing pretty good, but just had no goals to shoot for, uh, started coaching little league football a little bit, coached a little bit. And that kind of got a competitive spirit fired up in me again. Like I've got to do something to compete. And, um, uh, I got into uh, judo and jujitsu in, uh, early, like, uh, my first judo competition was in 2000. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of gave me a goal to, to actually get fired up and actually start strength training again. So I kind of switched from the real heavy lifting stuff uh, like I did for football to more almost like a CrossFit style stuff, like more of a lot of metabolic conditioning um, just to condition for the judo and jiu-jitsu and stuff. So judo uh, – so like jiu-jitsu is a really obviously very popular thing right now. Like as soon yeah. as – like UFC started and then it kind of started getting bigger and bigger. Now everywhere you look, there's jujitsu gyms like here in Clarksville, we have a, a Gracie jujitsu gym, like right up the street from my house. Oh yeah. Uh, and uh, so, um, but like at the, at the time, was it hard for you to like more like get into that? Like, did you just kind of happen upon a jujitsu gym? Um, so, Different styles of jiu-jitsu. Uh, the one that's really popular now with the UFC is, of course, the Gracie and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I started out in Japanese jiu-jitsu. Um, the thing about it is one of my instructors was, um, which I got, I got to give a shout out to his name, Bob Steins, uh, over in Corbin, Kentucky. Well, he was there. He's in Florida now. But he was, uh, if you've ever heard, it's one of the original mixed martial art organizations. It's Pan Crace over in Japan. And uh, I, I have not. Okay, so he's uh, he was one of the original fighters for Pancrase over in Japan. So he was one of the old school MMA guys. Um, as a matter of fact, one of his uh, one of the or I think it was the first UFC, first or second one, where Hoist Gracie broke a guy's arm. And uh, that guy that Hoist Gracie broke his arm, my instructor actually got to fight him and got to fight a lot of big name guys throughout his career. But it was a Japanese style of jujitsu. Um, Small circle jujitsu is was one of the proponents of it, where they use really tight circles for everything. Uh, but yeah, that was the style I was started in. Uh, and judo is actually jujitsu came from judo, or Japanese jujitsu formed judo, and then Brazilian jujitsu and Gracie jujitsu came from judo. Then, um, but yeah, it's they're all related. But it wasn't that hard. We had an instructor here in my in the hometown I grew up in. I grew up in Somerset, Kentucky. And, uh, you know, we had an instructor there. I kind of, the guy, one of the guy, the guy who actually owned the gym I was lifting at at the time, uh, he started doing it. And that's kind of how I got started. It was, he was, uh, he was a bigger guy and was just looking for body weight to roll around with. So he was like, Hey, start rolling around with me. 
And so I did, and I got addicted with it, and I actually ended up staying with it longer than he did. So, but yeah, it was it was definitely uh, definitely a different thing. And I, I, dude, I had an extreme passion for it. It was uh, it was my life for probably fifteen years, fifteen to eighteen years. Uh, even when my wife and I got married, uh, and I moved to from Kentucky up to uh, the south suburbs of Chicago, uh, I actually started a. Um, we had a ministry, a mixed martial arts ministry at our church. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so you obviously know quite a bit about jiu-jitsu. One thing I've always wondered is what's the different styles between like Japanese, Brazilian, fundamental, like like what what is like the key difference? Um, as far as the different styles of jiu-jitsu, um, as far as the Japanese versus Brazilian Gracie Jiu-Jitsu is, uh, I don't know. Um, my opinion, I would say probably the Japanese is a lot, what almost I would say harder style, like definitely more aggressive and more attacking. Uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu uh, is one simply because one of the brothers, uh, the Gracie brothers, uh, Carlos, he was a very small, feeble guy, so he depended a lot on, didn't force anything, and he would simply wait out a guy. Like he would pull the guy into his guard and just simply wait him out and wear him out. Whereas the so, Japanese, uh, so a lot, a lot of endurance, a lot of endurance, and a lot of just being patient. Um, I think it's good. I've, I've trained both styles when I was in Chicago, and I trained a little bit with um, Jeff Neal, uh, who was a Carlson Gracie guy, which Carlson Carlson Gracie is one of the brothers who was not so feeble. He was actually the biggest brother, so he was definitely a more his team mascot is a bulldog, and it fits him very well. <laughs> That's awesome. So you competed in judo jujitsu for how long? You said uh, I'm trying to think. I did my first competition in 2000, and I think my last competition I did was. I'm trying to think, I moved back to Kentucky in 2018, so probably 2015, 2016. So I competed for right at 15 years. Wow, that's got to be rough on the joints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm 43. I'm, I mean, I definitely you know there's there's some <laughs> knees and ankles and stuff that I still feel you know where I know where I know where that ache and pain comes from. <laughs> <laughs> So it's been <laughs> good to get in a strong man with the, with, with the, it, it's a lot safer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's funny. I never had a, um, in 10 years of playing football, 10 plus years of playing football, I never had a significant injury other than like toes or fingers or something like that. Yeah. Or, you know, sprains. But, uh, I probably had, oh, geez, I can't. Count, count the number of times I've dislocated or broken, like completely broken toes and fingers and judo and jujitsu, like dislocated shoulders, ACs, um, yeah, collarbone, just, yeah. You yeah, dislocated fingers in jujitsu? Yeah. Yeah, huh. where, you grab, where you grab the gi around the collar and stuff. Oh, and gotcha. A certain way you can like, I mean, literally like just that, that first uh, joint on your finger, like I've seen it. I've, I've had one where it's completely sideways. Oh yeah. man, yeah. Uh, I've I don't know, man. I, I've been fortunate enough. I'm 26, uh, and I feel like most people br break their bones when they're like kids and stuff like that, unless they're doing something like jujitsu or actively playing football. 
and uh, I've been fortunate enough to never break a bone so far. And I skateboarded for a long time. Well, be thankful, man, because I didn't. I didn't have my first uh, broken bone. Uh, actually, you know, other than like, like I said, toes or fingers, but like a major bone. I broke a collarbone, and my, that was my first one. And that was when I was twenty-five. So uh, I didn't. I, I mean, I, didn't have, I mean, yeah, I've I've got plenty of time. I've had an atlas stone fall on my on my on my chest. Oh, so yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, that's actually a good segue. Uh, I, speaking of the jujitsu world uh i actually so like i sell stones on the side um okay like i i got some hybrid molds and i like kind of like just like hey if anyone i use it to buy like strongman equipment because i train in my garage here yeah um and i actually had a guy come through and pick up a 250 stone and he was like yeah i started jujitsu and uh these atlas stones really help with like the like squeezing and oh, yeah. uh whenever i first because I can't, I can't lift a 250 stone without tacky quite yet, and also my <clears throat> my stones are very smooth. I don't finish them with or anything like that. Uh, and I had to help him load it into his car. And about like three weeks later, uh, I get a I get a video from him, and he's like, "Hey man, I got this thing leaping into my arms now. Thanks." And it's a video of him like just handling a 250 like it's nothing. And I was like, "Well, well, well, good, good for you, man. I hope you're, I hope you're kicking ass." <laughs> Right, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, so, six years. So, did you, so literally right around the time that you stopped competing in jujitsu, you you picked up strongman. Yeah. So yeah, I, kind of how that went over is uh, uh, got interested in uh, started just you know looking up conditioning, conditioning for jujitsu stuff like that because uh, like I said, we had an administrator at our church. And I was uh, kind of switching from competing less and more into a coaching role for okay. MMA. I had a few guys fighting MMA, and I was like, you know, first couple of grappling tournaments we entered, we just simply got our butts kicked because we weren't in good enough shape. So I'm like, all right. So I started just Googling stuff and looking up stuff, and I found um, Jim Jones, uh, which is a guy out in California. But basically that led to seeing CrossFit again okay. so I was kind of like, so that that kind of got me into the crossfit thing and i've always been a big guy like literally since probably junior high the lowest i've weighed is 205 like and I how was, tall uh, are you uh five foot eleven okay okay so i'm definitely a definitely a thick boy yeah uh, but uh you know like at 205 I, I look like skin and bones like it's it's horrendous i pulled out a I, picture today actually and i was like oh yeah, well, when uh, me and my wife first got together, I was 185, and I look back at those, and I'm the same height as you. I'm about you know five eleven, six feet tall, yeah. and uh, I'm 250 now, two like 250, 255, and uh, yeah, I look back at 185, and I'm like, God, man, that's disgusting. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I pulled that picture today, and my training partners, they were over here at the house for a strongman Saturday today, and they were like, "Dude, you look like Skeletor." I'm like, "I know." Like, <laughs> sucks. But yeah, so I got into, you know, you know, got into that and honestly, like man, doing stuff like the CrossFit workouts, like the really long twenty minute workouts, I'm like, this is just stupid. Like I would be sore for days. I'm like, I should not be sore for days. Like muscle soreness, yes, I get it. But I should not be sore for days. Yeah. So I was like, I really need to just get back in and, you know, lifting heavy and then i've seen some uh videos of course crossfit was doing the crossfit strongman stuff at the time with time with 
uh, Rob Orlando, I hope my computer doesn't die here. This my I just noticed it was unplugged and the battery isn't that good in it, but I think it's back in. Okay. Yeah, should should be fine. Hopefully, uh, but um, <laughs> CrossFit, CrossFit strongman like the, the guy who teaches that some of the stuff he teaches. Uh, when I was first seen, it, I was like, oh, this is awesome. But now I look back, I'm like, man, he is just teaching such bad technique. But uh, that got me into the strongman, and I started looking into stuff. And uh, that was when I was living in Illinois, which is where my wife's from. Uh, like I said, we lived about 30 miles south of the Loop in Chicago in a little, not a little town, but a suburb called Romeoville. And uh, sure enough, I got to Googling like strongman gyms. And one of the first ones that popped up is um, Jacked Gym, J-A-K-K-E-D. And it's in Montgomery, Illinois, which is like a 45-minute drive from where I lived at. And it's one of those gyms, like, it literally, like, anytime muscle and fitness or anybody does a poll of, like, top ten hardcore gyms in America, like, they're, they're top three every time. And it's just one of these gyms, like, it's, you know, it's an old warehouse, like, just, you know, concrete and steel, which is totally what you think of when you think strongman. I would say that's the but, dream, uh, man. That's, that's the dungeon. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, they, uh. I, you know, I called them. They're like, yeah, we sell, you know, you, you can get just a membership here because they had, I mean, they were powerlifting, bodybuilding, and strongman. That's that's what they specialized in. And it was the old school bodybuilding, like the old, like, Franco Colombo type guys, you know, like just get in there and lift heavy. That was that was and, the perfect uh, era. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like the 70s? Yeah. Yeah. Those guys were crazy. Unmatched. But, uh, but they sold a pass. Uh, it was like a five-visit pass for like 20 bucks. And, you know, you had a year to use all five visits. So I was like, cool. And at that point, I'd also started kind of started the idea of uh, starting to get me a garage gym simply for the fact of my wife and I were looking at uh, adoption and starting a family. And I was like, well, if we're going to have a family, I can't be, you know, spending an hour and a half, two hours, you know, at least three or four nights a week at a gym. If I have a family, you know, I've got to help my wife take care of the kids. So. Right. So I started doing the home gym stuff, started just gathering equipment here and there, started out with, you know, a couple big tires, stuff like that, you know. Um, and now it's a lot bigger than that. <laughs> but, that's uh, that's but yeah, what I started yeah. out with, too. Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, I'm, I'm actually, uh, we can talk about it later on, but I've actually got, got a great opportunity coming up here in Campbellsville. We're going to be opening up a uh, gym probably here first of the year so and there are these gyms popping up everywhere tyler young just opened up his spot in bowling green yeah today was his actually one of my training partners that lives with me on strongman saturdays is actually one of uh, tyler's clients and oh really uh, yeah. yeah yeah john mcgee dude he's a dude to look out for man he's a 230 and uh dude's a beast <clears throat> yeah you guys there, there's some strong people in kentucky man i'm, I'm jealous <laughs> Dude, South Central Kentucky. We and me, we were all talking about it today, and I was like, dude, it is just it's blowing up. We got Tyler Young, Jamie Wilson. Um, if you've ever heard, uh, he's a heavy, super heavyweight, Jonathan Whitlow, who is just a pressing machine. Sounds familiar. Yeah, like the dude is like, dude is two foot thick from front to back. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, <clears throat> I also like to look out for uh, Zach Harden, Big Ginge. Yeah, have you, yeah, yeah. He's a he's an animal. He's going to he's going to nationals. What when is nationals? Like next weekend, right? Uh, next weekend, yeah. yeah, yeah. Masters this weekend, so yeah. But yeah, Damn. we've got a you know 
yeah, we've got a uh, Kentucky Strength Farm, which is you know an hour away from us, and uh, that was my first competition. Oh, Kentucky uh, the reaping. Th- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we. Uh, yeah, so yeah, so uh, yeah, we're kind of. It's not official, but we're kind of almost like a partner gym with them. We uh, they come down here and train a lot with us with the well, my gym, the Blue Collar Strength Club. Uh, and then we go up there quite a bit and train. We kind of, you know, go back and forth. They they come to a, they usually have at least three or four people at my competitions. Man, yeah. So okay, so you were adoption, and you were started up your yeah. home gym. Yeah, started up a home gym. Uh, just you know, for me, just to lift. Uh, you know, Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, found some really great deals. Build it here and there. Build it here and there, and then. Uh, it just kept growing. Uh, you know, CrossFit gym, guy I knew owned a CrossFit gym, uh, had bought some yokes, weren't using them. I was going up to his gym to use them every once in a while. He sells me one for $200. Oh, that's <laughs> um, a deal. Yeah. Uh, CrossFit Loki that was up in uh, Plainfield, Illinois. Uh, literally, he sh- calls me up one day. He goes, hey, he goes, uh, he goes, why don't you come over and train on Saturday? I'm like, all right, I'll bring I got a couple guys. We'll come over. He goes, all right. I get there and he's like, I was like, what do I owe you? He's like, you don't owe me nothing. He said, but he said, take that circus dumbbell with you when you go, you know, I don't want, he said, I just bought a new one. I don't need that one sitting around here. Take it with you. It's yours. You know, stuff like that. Oh, like, you man. Know. Yeah. But what was bad is when we moved, I sold a lot. <laughs> so I've had to replenish. I've had to replenish a lot because I just didn't have room on the moving truck to move the crap, you know, like, mm-hmm. we're talking, you know, thousands of pounds of weight and stuff. It's just, something's got to go. I actually, Actually, the night we loaded the truck up, we were actually pulling out of the pulling out of the driveway the next morning. I actually had to set a glued ham raise on the side of the curb. Yeah. Oh, the pain! Yeah, that I only I only paid twenty five bucks for. I, the value. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I missed that thing. I, like I haven't replaced it yet since we moved down here, and I dude, at least once a week I'm like, man, I wish I still had that thing. Yeah, I was I was lucky enough. <clears throat> my my glued ham raise sucks, but I I paid about like I think I paid like a hundred bucks for it. It's like the old Titan Fitness model, and mm. it like when I got it, the the fucking um, the padding was uh, sorry. Am, can I, I? I know you don't have headphones in. Is it okay if I cuss? That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm I didn't actually, know if you had. I'm actually a bachelor bachelor until uh, tomorrow evening. My wife's been gone for a week. They've had fall break this week, so. Her and my oh, son okay. have been up in up in Illinois visiting family, so it's me and the dog. And the dog the, the quiet the quiet's just so terrible, huh? Oh, it's awful. <laughs> Let me tell you. I've been I've been I've been in bed at like nine o'clock every night. I, I <laughs> Man, you oh God. <laughs> right. Um Yeah, but when I got my glute ham raise, the the knee pads were it was on backwards. And oh. I'm sitting there, and I'm wondering, I'm like, why do my knees hurt so bad when I use this thing? And then I, I finally, like, I got the my my ratchet out, and I was like, that makes sense. The guy, yeah. the guy I bought it from, was an idiot. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I have a feeling in the next couple months, once everything starts loosening up a little bit more with uh, the uh, pandemic or whatever, I have a feeling you're going to start seeing a lot more equipment up on facebook and stuff yeah oh yeah and they're going to be selling it for cheap too it's going to be the the reverse yeah. of what it was at the beginning when like yeah. people were selling like plyo boxes for a hundred dollars oh yeah well it's like i have um i call them my babies but uh, i have two complete 300 pound sets of the old york 
like old York, the old York USA stuff um, from like 60s, early 70s. So I've got two barbells and each one of them, you know, 255 uh, pounds of weight with it. And they're the old milled, like the they got the big mill markings on the back of the plates and everything. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Dude, they're beautiful. I mean, they're they're a freaking work of art. You know, it's like the old school. That, you know, iron workers made these things, and I love them. And they're just straight as an arrow. And dude, I had people offering me for just for the barbells, like two and three hundred dollars for the barbells. Because that's one of those. So good. Yeah, that's one of those things where it's kind of like, yeah, sorry, <laughs> the, yeah, no. like the, that value is better used here. Yeah, it was, and it's like, my, I, I even talked to my wife. I was like, man, we could sell some stuff, and you know, I could, I could buy it back. She goes, but you're not going to be able to buy it back for another couple years because the prices are going to be up high. She goes, she goes, and you're not going to have your gym. And she goes, and that's what keeps you sane. So, and she's right. Yeah, yeah, that's. <laughs> um, for, there was a long time where I was slowly building this before my wife got into strongman, and uh, it was just sort of like, this is this is like this is my spot, like this is my man cave, like yeah. For for the longest time, then she came in, she was like, "We got to put gym flooring down. We do need to make the lighting better." I was like, "You're messing up the dungeon here, like <laughs> you're messing up the vibe." But I I do have to say, a woman's touch does a lot for. Uh, <laughs> yeah for for the for the environment yeah it's like it's like anytime i go about redesigning even uh, with our new facility that we're looking at uh moving into you know as soon as the guy offered me and we get to talking uh, I, I drove my wife over to the building i was like all right i want your opinion you know like give me your opinion so yeah and my wife does not lift at all like my wife is we're polar opposites in that aspect like she is she's the artsy fartsy she was the uh you know, the kid who, you know, paints and draws and does all the stuff, and she's freaking awesome at it. But total opposites as far as athletics go. That's kind of how it has to work out, though, sometimes. like Oh, it does, yeah. As, aside from lifting, me and my wife have next to nothing in common. Yeah. Well, it's like we uh, – it's funny because she uh, – I don't know if you've heard of the – you might know him. He's down in Tennessee, uh, Chris Yarber, uh, belt-fed strength. No, I haven't. Where is he located at? Uh, Johnson City, so he's over in the eastern part. Okay, uh, but he—you might want to check him out if you're looking for a belt. He's a—he uh, makes belts, uh, weightlifting belts. But he was one of my—he was at my first competition I hosted here in Campbellsville, and then afterwards he started getting into the leather working because his father-in-law did it, and he sent me a belt to try out as a prototype. Like, didn't charge me anything for it. He says, "It's yours to keep." He says, "I just want your opinion on it." I'm like, "Okay." So he sent me just this plain Jane belt, you know. And uh, my wife got into wood burning and leather burning, so I had her uh, burn the blue collar, my blue collar logo, into the belt, you know, and everything. That's awesome. So we've got to kind of blend her artistic abilities with my lifting a little bit. Uh, so you started blue collar barbell. Yeah, blue collar uh, strength club. S- said blue collar strength farm. Strength club. Strength club. Strength club. My yeah. fault. Uh, so you just run that out of your garage right now, but you're looking at a facility. Uh, so yeah, what's going on with that is, uh, I've run it out of my garage even before we moved from Illinois, um, ran out of my garage, uh, basically, you know, if you can donate some money, yeah, throw some money in the pot, nothing big, you know, we're not looking to, at that point, it was just a thing I wanted people to train with. Um, but in the last few months, uh, there's a building here in Campbellsville that has been sitting vacant for a long time and, 
if you can say there's a rougher part of this town, it's in the rougher part of the town, but it's it's a, such a small town, there's really not a rough part. Uh, even the rough part, they say please and thank you, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but the building is uh, it's an old, uh, it was originally a Coca-Cola bottling uh, plant distributor, and uh, then it was a used furniture building, but it's total floor space between all the different rooms is like 14,000 square feet. Jesus Christ, man. Yes. Massive. So uh, basically what the guy, this guy that, um, basically my boss, uh, my supervisor at the, at my nine to five job, my one that pays the bills, uh, him and this guy went to high school together and he comes to me, my boss, my manager comes and lists with us sometimes on Strongman Saturdays. He came to me, he's like, dude, I got an awesome opportunity for you. You need to talk to this guy. So I stopped by and talked to him. But uh, basically what he's wanted to do is uh, he's wanted to have it open by the first year. He's done a lot of cleaning. Uh, general contractor is going to start next week as far as build-outs. But um, he's going to have a CrossFit gym in there, which is it's not an official CrossFit affiliate, but it's, it's a CrossFit gym. Uh, and we're going to be sharing a space with the CrossFit gym. Uh, the guy who owns the building uh, does jujitsu, so he's going to have a one whole room that's nothing but jujitsu, and he's looking at getting like a Muay Thai, boxing, something, some kind of striking in there too. So it's going to be kind of a. We're, he's 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 planning on calling it the facility. This is, you know, that's basically what it is. It's just a place <laughs> to come. You know. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome, so man. Like that's so you. It's it's almost like the same kind of setup like Davy McCann has at Fit for Life. Yeah, well, I tell you what, it's going to be a lot like if you've ever heard of Lee Woody. Uh, Lee Woody is up in the northern part of Kentucky. He's the uh, Kentucky rep for United States Strongman. Okay, uh, but he works. His his is uh, his team is Iron Asylum Strongman team. I have I have heard of Iron Asylum. Okay. Yeah, so they work out of River City Barbell up there, which is more of a powerlifting and Olympic lifting gym. Uh, but basically, what it is is they. Um, I mean, it's kind of how we're going to work it here. Is basically I'm going to be. Basically, any money that comes in, um, they get uh, 75% or 50%, 50-50. We're splitting everything 50-50. And then if we have any competitions there, any profit that's made from competitions, uh, we're splitting it 50-50. That's solid, man. That's really awesome. Oh, yeah, I, hope, solid. Uh, I hope I get to come up there someday and compete. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah, it's right up the road, man. Yeah. How far is Campbellsville from here? Like. Was it like two, three hours? Maybe, maybe I, I can look at it real quick. Uh, Clarksville, right? Yeah, Clarksville, Tennessee. Yeah. Because um, how far are you from Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge area? Oh man, that's like a four-hour drive. Okay, so that's. I mean, that's that's a pretty good drive for us too. Uh, looks like uh, two and a half hours. Oh, that's a lot better than I thought. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, any, depending on what, what you take, two and a half, three hours. Yeah. I, I, I find myself in Kentucky a lot. Like, it's one of those things where my wife and I, we've been up there, I don't even know how many times in the past, just not even not even year, because we lived with uh, Anthony Pernice and, uh, and his okay. wife. That's that's our coaches, yeah. and uh, okay. so they were having like a barbecue, whatever. So for our anniversary, we made our way up to like Frankfurt, Versailles area, and uh, oh. on our anniversary, yeah, we were. Take, you take, 
You can tell you're not from Kentucky. Why is that? Is it not Versailles? <laughs> Versailles. Vers- uh, yeah, right. there you go. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. Which is funny. You know, you can always tell, like, as soon as they say something like that, it's like, yep, you're not from here. <laughs> yeah, no. I, unfortunately, and, and what sucks, too, is, like, I grew up my whole life. I live right next to, like, um, Guthrie. Okay. Which, I don't know if you've ever been through Guthrie. There's nothing in Guthrie. It, it, it sucks. Yeah. You know? So, like, Oak Grove and Guthrie, that's all I saw of Kentucky. And I was like, man, Kentucky sucks, man. Like, I, <laughs> why would I ever want to go to Kentucky? And then... I started competing, and I first went to Elizabethtown, uh, and then from Elizabethtown with um, uh, Kayla. Yeah, there. I yeah, I went up to. Uh, I got invited to uh, Beast, and that was my okay. second competition. And way over my head, didn't even under understand like how serious of a competition Beast has been in the past. Oh yeah, and. Uh, I, I get there, and luckily, like my only goal was to not zero anything. So, <laughs> I completed that goal, and I was like, "All right, I'm gonna." And that's where I got linked up with uh, with Anthony, and so I just started making friends across the Kentucky area. And now, like I, we stay in Lexington uh, anytime that we we go up there, and uh, I'm just kind of like, man, like Kentucky's like way <laughs> way better than where I live. Oh, yeah, dude. Especially, I mean. Especially, I mean, you know, I know we talked to you, you said you're a bourbon bourbon guy. Like, you know, you've got from Lexington over to Frankfurt. Speaking of which, nice. Mm-hmm. What, what, what are you drinking tonight? So this is actually a, um, you know, I, I forget, I forget. It. It's a local brewery that just, or not brewery, my fault. It's Stiller. a local distillery that just, uh, I don't even know where they're located at. It's somewhere here in Tennessee. But okay. my father-in-law picked this up for me at a liquor store. And they were just kind of, they were like, hey, you know, 40 bucks, like, this is our first batch. And he was like, oh, my son-in-law would love this. Nice. So I, I cannot remember the name for the life of me. Um, but, it, you know, it's not not bad. Good. Yeah, I mean, you've got from Lexington, you know, over to Frankfurt, Louisville, you know, the whole Bourbon Trail area, you know, you've, you've, you've got that, so... Maybe. Yeah, I'm going to do that one of these days because I've been to Frankfurt twice and never once have I been to Buffalo Trace. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Buffalo Trace. I like Makers. I like uh, I like I like Beam. I mean, that's but you know, I where I work at is literally like ten miles from Makers. Yeah, so you are a barrel inspector. Yeah. So yeah. what what is that in what I, I, the only thing I know about barrel inspectors is I've watched the documentary uh, Neat, which. Uh, Kind of like I was already a little bit into bourbon, but then I like, watched that documentary and I was like, okay, now I've got to learn everything about bourbon now. Like I, I've got to know because to me, bourbon is like the superior whiskey, honestly. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, the taste of it, yeah. So like what I do, uh, I work at – if you've seen any videos and they show people making barrels and the process of making and repairing barrels is called cooping. If you've okay. ever seen any videos of that, you've probably seen where I work at because um, we are – it's called Kentucky Cooperage. Uh, I'm a subdivision or subsidiary of uh, the company who owns Kentucky Cooperage, and we're called Kentucky Bourbon Barrel, which is just the used barrel. But uh, the Kentucky Cooperage makes the new barrels because bourbon can only be made in, in new barrels. You can't you, you can't make it in a used barrel. Right. Um, 
but Kentucky Cooperage is the largest barrel manufacturer in the world. Period. Like our facility, that facility, yeah. Uh, it's nothing for them to do four to 5,000 barrels in a day over two shifts. God, man, that's insane. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's barrels loaded onto a truck ready to head out to a distillery, four to 5,000. Um, yeah. And you consider they usually work five days a week and then five hours on Saturdays. So that's, yeah, that's, that's a lot of hours. That's a lot. Oh, dude, tell me about it. Luckily, where I'm at now, the used barrel, we don't work Saturdays hardly at all, and we're only working like nine hours a day during uh, during the week, so it's a little easier. Uh, but yeah, uh, so what I, I'll just kind of give a brief history. I started there January, would be three years ago that I started there, and uh, started out as what they call a Cooper, which is as the, uh, I started in the new barrel facility. Uh, as the barrels come off the line, uh, after they've set in storage for at least 24 hours, with water in them to kind of let them swell up and seal up. Uh, they get a hole drilled in them and they're inspected. If the barrels are bad, got any leaks or anything like that, they go to the coopers. The coopers depend on what needs to be fixed, but they basically fix the barrels and then put them back on the line to be inspected. Um, so that's what I did for the first six months I was there. Um, swinging, you know, 10 hours a day, swinging a five pound sledgehammer is uh, rough on the body. So needless to say, training kind of took a hit on that one. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I would say. Yeah, recovery was not good. I was, uh, you know, I'm with a kid. And I was sleeping maybe six hours a night. So, yeah, but I did that for about six months. Uh, had uh, two significant work injuries, right one right after the other, like within one month of each other. Uh, smashed a finger, had to have 14 stitches put in it. Oh. Came back. Yeah, and then came back from that and uh, hit the uh, hit my thumb with a grinder, uh, angle grinder, and cut the tendon in my thumb. So yeah, that was a that was a little <laughs> bit longer longer recovery there. So uh, Jesus, man! Well. <laughs> and my boss was like, "You're not cooping anymore." I'm like, "All right." So then they. Uh, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, please don't do that to me. Uh, which I mean. Cooping's a production job, so you do get paid. I mean, they you know they know they realize it's a hard job and they pay you for it, but it it wasn't worth it. So I went to being an inspector uh, or a what they call a final inspector, which basically I just I make sure the barrels have the uh, plugs in them. That job was just making sure the barrels had the plugs in them before they went on the truck. Um, then I went to what they call the uh, final inspector or the second inspector, which is basically after the barrels have been fixed, you're you're the one checking them. Uh, so it's after the barrels have been fixed. You're not checking new barrels. Uh, and then, lo and behold, they opened up the new facility for the uh, used barrels across the street. It's literally just right across the street from the other facility. And they opened that up in January, and the supervisor they had over there quit. <laughs> just all of a sudden quit on a Thursday. So on that Friday, uh, which I knew the guy they sent over there for the supervisor to be to take over temporarily at that time, He's the guy who lifts with me. He'd already came out and lifted a few times with me. We knew each other really well. And uh, he hollered at me, basically called my called my supervisor and said, hey, I need, I need Steven. So I went over there, and uh, I'm a first inspector. So basically what I do is these are barrels coming back from the distilleries. They've been used. You know, They've drained the whiskey out of them, the bourbon. Basically, we check them, uh, look for any cracks, look for any defects. They're good. We put a sticker on them and basically put them 
in the storage to go on a truck. They need to be fixed. We send them to the guys who fix them. I mean, it's a physical job. I mean, I'm averaging right now between six to eight hundred barrels a day doing that, inspecting each one of them, and I have to have to roll them. I have to flip them around. You know, put them up on you know lift lift them up, put them up on rollers and stuff like that. So it's definitely uh, yeah, I definitely get my uh, as uh, my GPP, my general physical preparedness. I don't I don't have to pull sleds or anything. I, I get that during the day at work when I'm working eight nine hours. So that's that's kind of how it is for me too like it's it's one of those things where like i don't need to go on a walk every day i I work i work at train so So, i'm lifting panels all day and walking up and down the line and making sure everyone's cool like yeah yeah it's uh you know but you know what i worked when i first moved to illinois i worked um i've been there about a year and a half and i i worked for a company that made custom cabinetry and that was when the housing market was in to 2006 uh so the housing market was when it did that big drop so got laid off from that job and i found lucked into a job at a physical therapy clinic which ended up becoming the biggest branch you know like chain of physical therapy clinics in the nation um but i was it was an office job i was a rehab tech basically i I wore dress pants and polos and gym shoes to work every day did not do that much and dude i was and I didn't even realize at the time, but it was probably some of the most miserable years of my life because I just was doing it. You know, I wasn't, I had no purpose, you know? And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So basically I, you know, when, when we adopted our son, um, of course, you know, add a kid to the mix, it, you know, strains the financials a little bit. And, you know, me and the wife said that I had to have a talk and it's like, Hey, I've got to find a job that pays more, you know? And I started working in a warehouse facility, and dude, it was like an overnight, like within like two months, my attitude was changed. Like I was just like I was, I'm a blue collar guy. Like I was raised that guy. Like I said I was raised on a farm. My dad worked blue collar his whole life, and it's just I don't know if it's ingrained in me or what, but I'm so much happier when I'm just working with my hands. I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize happens until they get to that point because. I'm a team leader at train and to, and to become a team leader, you have to go through a class, right? I mean, and, yeah. and I, I spent a year and a half on the floor before I went through this class, you know, working production on a line that does uh, like they were doing like, I think we were doing like in peak season, like 80 units in a shift. And these are all rooftop units. Yeah. Uh, so then I get to this class and I'm sitting all day and I'm yeah. like, God, my, my hips are getting tight. I gained like, 30 pounds in a matter of months and like I'm just starting to get mis- and this is around the same time I got into strongman but I was making mistakes of like oh I've got to eat a lot all the time and like so I'm stuffing my face but also sitting and then the line yeah, that yeah. I was the line that I was going to hadn't started up yet they wanted us to help engineers with the production side of everything so I was for a, a year I was doing nothing. Like I had nothing set for my day. I had to go into work and like find out what I was going to do. And I was just like, this is awful. And then we started up production and similar to you, it was like night and day. Like I was starting to just do something. Like I go into like, all right, I got to prep these panels and get them up on the unit. I've got to go make sure the brazers are cool or build a whatever. And I was just so much happier. I lost weight again and I was looking better and it, movement is such an important part of a, of a human's life. And just that 
purpose, I guess you say even more than anything is like, and I, I know you're, you're a younger guy, but dude, there's some of the guys I work with that are younger that I'm just like, have some pride, you know, like, cause oh, dude, dude, you're preaching to the damn choir here, man. I, so, I get, so I get new age. <laughs> I, you know, Go ahead. When, I was, when I was your age, I'm 43. When I was your age, if a 43-year-old man was out working me, I'll be danged. I'll be danged if that would happen. Yeah. Like, no, no, I, you know, no, it ain't going to happen. And then, like, you know, I, I've got 20-something-year-olds and even 30-something-year-olds that work with me, and I'm just like, and I've, I've, I've kind of gained a reputation as a grumpy old man because I'm just like, hey, quit standing around. Get your hands out of your pockets. Go do something, you know, just find something to do. Dude. And, yeah, like just like oh just work find something to do you know and that's me like i go in and like you know what i know what i gotta do i you know i i know i need to hit so many barrels today boom yeah. let's knock it out and get it done you know like and it's frustrating because you have that mindset like you know what you have to do you know what other people need to do and then you also know that you know that they know what they need to do yeah so like i get 18 year olds coming in you know, fresh out of high school, whatever. This is their like they've worked at like Pizza Hut or maybe they've never even had a job before. Yeah. And I and I try to show them what to do or whatever, and they're cool, and they they're eager to work for a little bit, and then they fall in with some of the some of the old heads that have been at yeah. the company for like twenty five years, and they're chilling because they've been there a while, so they're kind of they know their pace. But then these young people, they like, well, I'm not doing more than blah 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 blah, and I'm like. If the work is there, just do it. You know that it needs to get done. Right. You know, and it's like the other thing, too, is like, you know, I guess I am one of the old heads, but it's like, I may not look like I'm working that hard. It's because I've got a system. Yeah. Like, I know how to do it. I know how to do it, and I can do it faster. Right. And uh, just it happened this last week, a younger guy at our job was like, Hey, I want to be, you know, kept aggravating our man, our manager, our supervisor about, Hey, I want to be, I want to try first inspection. I want to try first inspection. And finally it's like, I, I just looked at him straight up and my boss is very great guy. Loves, you know, I, I do anything for him. I love working for him, but he's a manager and he has to be very, he can't say what he's thinking a lot of times because right. he is a supervisor. Me, I'm a peon. I can say what I think. And I looked at this kid, I was like, dude, you can't physically handle it. And he was like, what do you mean? I'm like, you can't physically handle the job. I was like, you're over 300 pounds and you're five foot eight. Like, dude, you're, you're going to die. Oh. Yeah, I'm like, dude, you're going to die. Like, you will die at that job. And lo and behold, my manager, like he walked out of the room, my manager looks at me and goes, why did you say that? I'm like, it's the truth. <laughs> it's, it's Sometimes it really is like... I think sometimes people have a different perception of what a manual labor job, what a blue collar job requires because oh, yeah. now they, they, they bring it up where like when I was in high school, I thought like, Oh, you go into a factory, man. Like that's like prison, yeah. you know, like they're and, and I go in there and it's, it's really not that bad. Like you just, no. just like, I'm not standing in one spot. I get to move. I get to, I get to bullshit with the, with the homies and you know, yeah. like, I, I have people I look forward to and like I mean the breaks are shit but like whatever you know uh, like I get two ten minute breaks and then thirty minutes for lunch that I don't get paid for but like 
whatever. You know what I mean? Like I'm still coming home at the end of the day. I still pay my bills and like, yeah, I get, I get to do shit like this, you know, like BS yeah. on the weekends. Like it's yeah. cool. And I, I don't know, man. It's just, uh, I think sometimes they come in with a, with a, a perception and a different intent than maybe they need to. Oh yeah. You know, a lot of people, it's, um, just, I don't want to, you know, like I, I'm yeah. just, have to either you know mom and dad mom and dad told me i had to go get a job stuff like that you know it's like yeah man like that's great but you know when you got it when you when you got a wife and kid at home or wife, yeah. a family that you're you're the man and you're the charge you're you're you got to take care of them it does yeah that's like that's why I got my job where I'm at now I've been I've been at train for six years I got my job there when I was 20 and my dad was like Hey man, uh, I was working minimum wage, like making pizza and stuff, which to be honest, like making pizza, that's the best job I've ever had in my life. It is so fun, but, oh, yeah. but it pays minimum wage. So, yeah. you know, he was like, you either got to get a second job or you got to go get a higher paying job. And I was like, Oh man. And you know, so I applied it, this job and I got it within a matter of days. And I just, I never wanted to have anyone tell me like, Hey, you're not doing good enough. So really it was a matter of like, I just didn't want to want to talk. I didn't want anyone to talk to me. It, yeah. So I did good at my job so that no one would have to come and be like, Hey, you're fucking up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, there's one of the things like I tell, uh, I tell people all the time, like, you know, like I hate, I have a severe fear of failure. Like for somebody to tell me I'm not doing a good yep. enough job. I have a severe fear of that. So I will put my nose, I will, I, and I call it, it's, it's my putting my head down and going to work mode, you know? Yeah. I have, uh, I have a set of big 3M makes this, these, actually they're OSHA certified hearing protection, but they're Bluetooth headphones and all in this all in one. And dude, there's days, a lot of days I'll throw those things on, throw on music or a podcast or something. And dude, I'm just, I've. Like, I don't see anybody around me. Like, I'm just, you know, head down going to work, you know. I'm jealous, man. We can't we I, we can't put in headphones. Well, I mean, you're not supposed to put in headphones where I work, and I can't do it because I'm a team leader, and I got to, like, set the fucking example. But, uh, like, I got guys that, like, they, they'll keep their headphones in. I'm like, man, like, I wish I could, like, music would really, I'm not supposed to be on a job, but on the days that I am on a job, like, Putting in some headphones would be nice because hey, <laughs> you you need to check these out because they are OSHA certified as hearing protection. Yeah, I might have to <laughs> or get one of the get get a slick beanie. You know what I mean with the speakers well, these, on the these, inside. These just look like big hearing protection, like the big earmuffs. Yeah, like they're, well, they're, it. It would look strange because I don't my, my area. It's not loud enough for hearing protection. Oh, okay. you don't have you don't have to wear it, yeah. so nobody wears it. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It would look weird. We have to wear it. So, so yeah, I get away with it. So, your first strongman competition. Let's bring it back to that. What okay. was what was uh, your first competition and where? Uh, first competition was uh, Chicago Strongman Classic. It was put on at Jacked Gym in Montgomery, Illinois. And it was put on, this was before the uh, Strongman Corp split when USS came off of that. 
before all that jazz happened. Uh, it was uh, Dave Daly, um, who was, at that time had just got his, I think he had just gotten his pro card, um, or was right before. It was right around the time. It was right around the time he got his pro card. But he was the Illinois rep for uh, Strongman Corp. So he put it on. Um, yeah, uh, April, I want to say April of 2015, 2016. 2016. So April 2016, I think is when it was. I'd been training for probably about a year and a half, two years at least. Uh, but that was my first competition. And you went straight into open or did you do novice first? Uh, I did novice first. Um, yeah. Yeah, I definitely did novice first. <laughs> uh, and you I, compete I, at 230, you said? Uh, no, that one, I've, I've never competed at middleweight. I've always competed at heavyweight. Okay. Uh, I kind of after the judo and jujitsu, I was just like, if I'm close, if I'm within five pounds, I'll cut the weight. But I'm not making a drastic weight cut anymore because there were times, uh, jujitsu, judo, MMA, where I cut 15, 20 pounds. Like, that sucks. And I'm like, I am too stinking old to do that anymore. Like, I am <laughs> not, not, not doing it. Uh, but yeah, uh, competed heavyweight. I remember. I remember a few of the events. I'm trying to remember. Uh, one of them was a. Uh, the first event was a press medley, and it was log. It was ten inch log, twelve inch log, or twelve inch log, ten inch log, keg, circus dumbbell, for reps. And I didn't get past the keg. Like yeah, I, keg, I, keg press looks weird. It's weird, but once you get it, it's like, it's so easy. <laughs> so you and think that's I, what it was? You just didn't have the technique at the time? I just, I had, I did not have the technique at the time. I, and now I look back at that and I'm like, dude, like, and it was only like a 120 pound keg. Like it wasn't even a heavy one. And I right. just, and, and it was the first event. So it was like my first event of my first competition. My adrenaline was just. Oh yeah. Those nerves, high. man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I zeroed the axle at the, at the reaping. <clears throat> because that was my first ever event ever. Yeah. So I, I went up and it's a, it's a two fifty axle. And I was like, and I didn't even have a grip shirt. I was wearing like a, a dry fit. That's the worst oh, shirt you could wear. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and I get there and everybody's wearing a grip shirt and I'm like, you fucking cheaters, man. Like what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> and I just, it was, it was one of those competition experience things. And, uh, since then I've gotten two grip shirts. Yeah. So yeah, uh, but yeah, I remember that. Um, I think there was only four events on that one. I can't remember what the second one was. Third one was a tire flip, and it was uh, you had to do six flips for time. So it was three forward, run around, flip it back for three. And I remember almost knocking myself out with that one because uh, I did the three, came around, flipped it the first time, coming back, and then I followed it down too close because I was trying to get right back on the tire to flip it again. Oh, it bounced and it hit me right in the jaw, and literally, like in the video of it, you see me stand up and shake my head. Like, I remember that. And then they had a um, Hercules hold for the uh, final event. That was fun. Those are fun. Yeah, yeah. Hercules holds are yeah. I just did that at the uh, at the KY Strong Classic. Okay. Yeah. Out in Lexington. Yeah, that was that was cool. That was a that was a man. Davey puts on some heavy competitions. Yeah. Like very, I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm I'm not prepared yet. <laughs> Kentucky Kentucky is getting a rep 
for some heavy competitions. Yeah, uh, Lee Woody's got one. He hasn't announced a date or anything for it in January, and he is having a the final event of that competition is going to be a ten stone series. Yes. Oh man, I've always wanted to do one of those, man. Because to I, I feel like stones are one of my best events. Yeah, ten and, stones. Uh, I love stones, man. Stones oh. are so fun. Yeah. Anything loading, really. Like, I loaded a keg at KY Strong, and uh, I went and I did my first uh, – I did the. I, I was just going to be safe with it because I, I don't have a keg to train with yet. Yeah. And uh, I was like, yeah, I'll open at uh, 250, and I'll do 275 and then 300. And I do the 250, and I kind of walked up. I was tired. I wanted to go home. I was done. And uh, I, like, walked up there, like, just like, what? I don't give a fuck. And I loaded the 250, and then I go to call my next weight, and Anthony was sitting right there, and he was like, uh, hey, I already called your weight for you. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, you're going to do 300. And I was like, okay. He goes, that was 250, right? Yeah, wake the fuck up next time and do 300. And I was like, okay, All right. cool. <laughs> so... Yeah. It's I don't like and then I ended up getting to three twenty five and I feel like I could have done three fifties. It's like anything loading anything over a bar just there's something very like primal about it almost like oh, a yeah. big a big rock or whatever. Yeah, it, it it kind of awakens the caveman in you. Yeah, yeah, that was my, that was my first one. It was definitely I mean definitely opened my eyes. I probably I don't think I competed. I think it was another year before I competed again. Uh, I, I I I realized where I was at, and I was like, "All right, I need to, I need to <laughs> step it up a little bit, step the training up, and everything." So yeah, it, I took about a year off after that competition before I did another one. So you're affiliated with, uh, you know, affiliated with Kentucky Strength Farm. Yeah, uh, and so you must know Caesar. Yeah, Caesar Lopez. Yeah, he uh, okay. He was actually just down here. Him. Uh, him, Josh Reed, uh, Chris Hensko, uh, and uh, Dietrich Cooper. Uh, they were all down here a few weeks ago actually training with us. Yeah, Something about Cooper. He sticks out at competitions, man. He's That I, dude is ridiculously underrated and surprising. Yeah, he really is. I enjoyed watching him because I, I saw him at the Reaping for the first yeah. time, and then after that I saw him – I think I saw him at Beast. And uh, he's – I don't know. He's He's – strong man like he's very i don't know and so quiet yeah very very i had to go up to him be like hey i've seen you before i'm eddie nice to meet you what's up man yeah yeah very very quiet very well-mannered like very very well-mannered like almost schoolboy well-mannered i'm like dude (laughs) very reserved it it's i i respect that though because like i've i've I very much appreciate this the very cerebral type of lifting where you go up, you don't make a show of it, and you're like almost like Big Z, you know, like you kind of kind of just have that inner energy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But I so I followed suit. I looked at Caesar and I saw he was popping up on like every competition. I was like, oh, I'll do that. And so I started signing up for a bunch. Like I I did. I've done four competitions since uh, like. You know, the reaping was my first one, and then I did beast, and then I actually got good training in for uh, refuge uh, right. with uh, with Derek, and uh, and then I did KY two 
two weeks later. That was a mistake, but it was a good yeah. experience. And then after that, I realized, like, maybe I shouldn't do what Caesar does. And I'll just, I'll do, like, three competitions a year, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, dude, I'm getting the itch so bad. Like, it's been, because uh, I competed, last time I competed was May of 2018, so. Oh, I, man. Yeah, so I competed, um, and it was, uh, it was at a competition up in uh, Stoughton, Wisconsin. Uh a guy runs competitions up there, uh, Jimmy Brooks and Tim Stranley. Awesome dudes. Uh, run some great competitions up there. But uh, so I competed there in May, qualified for nationals. Dude, like one of the best, like one of the best showings I've had in forever. Like, dude, I hit, I mean, everything was just on point. And we came down here to visit my family in Kentucky in July. And then on July 4th weekend, basically, and on the way back, my wife and I got talking about what we need to do to move, and uh, ended up getting a job offer that week with my company I was working for at the time in Louisville. So we talked about moving in, on July Fourth weekend, and we moved on Labor Day weekend. So like ten weeks, hardly any training at all during that, and it's just been like just getting back in the group. Like I've got to just buckle down. Because hey, after, yeah. after I moved down here, the job I had didn't pan out. It was I was working fourteen hour days and driving an hour each way. Just oh Jesus, no, yeah, no. Um, so uh, and then found the job with the Cooperage. You know, d- just things. This is one thing after another. But uh, we're looking at uh, uh, Kayla doing. We're John McGee, the guy that my training partner, which he's only been doing it strongman for about a year and he's only been he's 26 and he's only been lifting since he was 20 like but dude's just phenomenal me and him we're talking about we're both going to plan on doing the reaping this year at strength farm yeah yeah i heard she was looking at doing another another competition she is looking the the harvest i think so the harvest she's looking at uh she's kind of like what we do um with blue collar we do we've been doing a we try to do two a year, and basically what it is we do what we've done in the past few years is doing a novice competition in the spring, novice only, and then in the fall we do an open, open with masters division. Yeah, yeah I saw that. You did blue collar novice or like blue collar uh, bash was the one we did in the spring. Yeah. Yes, because one of the guys that I'm also going to have on hopefully next week is uh, Tark. He he went. Yes. To the- yeah, Tark's a character, man. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to describe him. Yeah, <laughs> he was my first interaction with him was at Beast, and he he did his deadlift, and I think it was like five twenty five, and he on the axle, and he pulled it, and he gets down, and he jumps up, he's like, yes, and he does like a spin jump, and I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's a character. He's uh, I think he's competed twice at our competition, so yeah, yeah he's a I good like, dude. He brings he brings a he brings a different level. To it, you know, he's and he cheers everybody on, dude. That's a, I love it. That's one of the things I love about the sport, man. Is like when you go to a competition, the energy is is half the reason you get the lift. Like oh, yeah, your preparation is half of it, but then the, the 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 energy is so exhilarating. Like, yeah, you almost can't miss the lift. You know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, God, I remember. Um, the last competition I did, uh, the first event was Viking Press. It was up in Wisconsin. 
and the uh, I don't I don't want you to think I'm trying to name drop it all because I'm not. But the uh, <laughs> the judge the judge was uh, Adam Dirks. Okay. Uh, which uh, competed at the World's Strongest Man a few years ago, a couple years ago, uh, and he was the judge. And I actually really cool. I got to sit down and, and actually yeah, just kind of talked with him a little bit beforehand. But then he was a judge on Viking Press was the first event Viking Press for reps. And dude, it, was, it got to that point where I was just burning. It was like like I still had twenty seconds left. And dude, he just like goes completely out of out of judge mode and just gets in my face and starts yelling at me to get one more rep. Yeah, you know? yeah. I was like, this is awesome. Like, you know, that's you got a guy who's a world strongest man competitor yelling at you to get one more rep. You can't let him down. That's what Davey did when he was judging at the reaping. Yeah, he's like, I didn't expect it. I kind of expected every every judge to be like a a like passive professional entity yeah yeah and then like i'm doing sandbag and davy gets right my face he's like pick it up now and i was like all right yes sir (laughs) and it it was just like i mean this this gigantic guy is yelling at my face like what am i gonna do right uh but it's funny you talk about name dropping evan singleton was at ky strong yeah and i knew that he was watching when I was, he, I don't know if he was watching me during my run, but I knew he had been watching. So okay. I was like, all right, on the off chance that Evan Singleton is watching this sandbag toss, I can't look like a fucking idiot. So I did all but one bag, and I get done, and my son was actually the one that was most upset with me. Like I go over and I'm talking to him, he was like, oh, and he's four, and I was like, what's up, buddy? And he goes, I wanted you to get every bag. And I was like, I wanted every bag too, buddy. Trust me. Yeah. Dude, kids are awesome. You oh, know, dude! I, uh, it... My kid, uh, my son played. Uh, he's ten years old, just turned ten in August, and uh, he's playing football this year for the first time, which has uh, made put my for the last few weeks has put my training in, and I've been maybe getting two or three days in a week. So, for fact of when I went to sign him up, I knew the uh, one of the board members, and she was like, "Oh, you used to play football, and you used to coach little league." I'm like, yeah, like 20 years ago. She goes, oh, we need coaches. Uh, <laughs> and then you have no choice. You're like, yeah, where do I sign up? <laughs> well, I asked my, I, you know, I, had, I said, let me talk it over with everybody, you know. So on the way home, I'm talking to my son. I'm like, how would you feel if dad was a coach? That'd be awesome. I'm like, oh, no, you're not supposed to say that. Tell me. You how, old your, how old is your son? Ten. You know what? This is the point where dads start to be a little less cool. So that's you know that's that's cool points yeah. right there. Yeah. And then my wife was like, "If you think you can handle it, that's you know that's great." So, uh, so yeah, we're doing that. But like the so he started playing football. But like after we signed him up before practices started, I was and before we started moving some equipment over to the new facility. You know, I was one. It was a Saturday, and we had I'd worked like sixty hours that week, and. I'd worked a half a day on Saturday, and I came in. I was like, I was just tired, and the wife had to go somewhere Saturday afternoon. I'm like, Dad, uh, buddy, Daddy's gonna, Daddy's gonna lay down and rest before his friends come over to work out, you know. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go see if Andrew wants to play his friend down the street. I'm like, okay. And I hear him leave on his bicycle, and I hear his bicycle come back, and I figure he's just outside playing. All of a sudden, I hear clanking out in the garage, and I open the door, and my son is out there with a barbell and a 45 pound plate on each end, 135 pounds deadlifting and i'm like 
I just kind of peeked out the door. He didn't see me look. I'm just like, I peeked out the door. I'm like, all right, proud dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. I'm I'm gonna get my son one of those. They have those five pound junior barbell. Yeah. Uh, rogue. They can hold yeah. like fifty pounds. I'm gonna get my son one of those because he 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 tells me he's like, Daddy, when I get older, I I, I want to deadlift one hundred and fifty five pounds. I said, Buddy, you do whatever you want, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not gonna lie, you know, like I don't I. I've always been since we adopted our son. We adopted him when he was three years old, but I've always been like, whatever he wants to do. If he wants to be the band geek. Whatever he wants to do, I'll, I'm going to support him 100%. Would I love for him to play football? Yes, I played football. I'd love for him to play football. I love wrestling. I'd love for him to wrestle. But you know what? Whatever. But, uh, you know, kind of a proud dad moment the other night. He's, he's been killing it. It's his first year playing football. And he's playing, against, he's playing with kids that have played, you know, two, three years already. And I'm not trying to brag, but my kid my kid's killing it at defensive end. Uh, first you, you game. Got, you you got to brag. Yeah, I mean, his first game, he had like five five solo tackles his first game. Just killing it. And uh, the other day, coming home from practice, he just, he's like, Dad, I think I found my sport. <laughs> I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, I honestly, I, I think that's every every parent who wants their kids to aspire to be something, They you want them to find that thing where they're like, this is like what I love. Yeah, this is my awesome. Yeah. Yeah, because then you can only then you got to focus on one thing, and you can put all of your energy into that one thing. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's awesome, man. <clears throat> we have my son in karate right now, and uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of opposite of you. I hope he doesn't get into football. Uh, but if that's what he wants to do, then like I'll I'll be cheering loudest, and I'll figure out because I didn't play football growing up. Uh, but I'll figure out whatever I need to figure out to help him be the best that he can be. Well, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of an oxymoron because I was the, uh, I was the kid in high school who, you know, started, you know, was was on varsity uh, since he was a sophomore, but I was also the kid in high school who was the choir geek. Like, yeah, I was, I was all state tenor and bass my senior year and in, in choir too. So it's like, and I still do that. Like I, I sing, I, I sing in choir at our church, and it's, it's funny. It, it, I mean, I don't know if you can tell. I've got a. I've got a mohawk. Yeah. I've got a mohawk that's like super long, uh, big beard. Um, now you're a typical Baptist, you know, Kentucky Baptist Church choir member, right? <laughs> means, you know, I'm the guy yeah. there wearing Carhartts with Vans and a T-shirt. You know, yeah, I was the same way in high school. I, I didn't I didn't play sports, but I was like, I, I, I skated a lot, and you know, I was kind of like. I was like, I was a stoner, and but then like I'd turn around and I I was like really into theater, like I loved doing yeah. theater, and uh, like once when I got out of high school, I like I've like really had like performance withdrawals almost, like like I feel like I like I got it. That's why I started the podcast because yeah. I got to do something to like get some sort of creative outlet out there. Yeah, yeah, but uh, so. Your your competitions, uh, okay. how so? How difficult was that to get started? I've heard a like, uh, like I, it was just on one of Evan Singleton's like questions on his on his story. I was like, you know, have you ever thought about running a competition in Kentucky? Because I feel like if it's Evan Singleton, people are going to show up. And he was like, no, that that sounds like it's it's stressful. Fuck that. Yeah. 
So how difficult is it to like, you know, sponsors and all that stuff? So we started, um, I've been wanting to run a competition even before I moved down to Kentucky. I was wanting to run them in Illinois and, uh, it does cost, uh, I can't remember what the exact exact cost is, but you know, if you sanction it, you can do them without sanctioning, but you don't get in, you don't get national invites or anything like that. So, um, you know, you have to pay for the sanctioning up front. Like that has to be done up front. Uh, and I just never had the extra, you know, few hundred dollars laying around to do that. I'll say that's that's the promoter fee, right? Yeah, yeah, it's the sanction yeah. fee because basically, you know, it uh, like we all the companies we've done so far, we've sanctioned through United States Strongman, and basically all it does is it a lot well it covers insurances on the athletes and on the uh, facility. So basically, if the facility gets damaged, it actually covers them. And they, oh, nice. Yeah, the, United, the insurance company will actually repair the facility, whatever damage done to it. So that's a big thing. But uh, I ended up, when I moved down here to Kentucky, just started, you know, with my working out, with my training, I would make Instagram posts or Facebook posts or whatever, social media. And uh, a guy that kind of a businessman in the area who was trying to start up a supplement company contacted me. I was like, hey. You ever thought about being an ambassador? I was like, well, I've been an ambassador with other companies before. I'm not a big – I was like, I need to try your product. Like, you've got to give me samples because I am not going to endorse your product at all if I you don't give me enough to try it and to try it for at least a couple months. You know, like I'm not going to just – all right, yeah, give me free stuff. So uh, like I said he lives in the town I, I live in. So we met up. Dude hands me like a couple tubs of protein and was like, here, you know, try it. See what you think. We ended up developing a relationship. He uh, he also owned a um, outfitters outdoor outfitters uh, store in the area, which my son is my son loves fishing, uh, loves it. So you know he started you know we'd go in there and visit with him. I, he you know here try these. He'd get the, like these samples of like fish baits and fishing lures and give them to my son. So we we developed a really good relationship. And he said something one time. He was like, you know, you ever thought about running a competition? I'm like, you know, I'm like, yeah. I was like, you know, I just the financial I see was, well, what if I pay the sanctioning fee? Well, let's do it. So we, uh, we did our first one, uh, which is, um, first, you know, our, the church I attend, my, my church, I will say it's my church, uh, Campbellsville Baptist church. Um, in the back of their church, they have an area where you can pull an under to let people out for training, you know, let people out of their cars to get into the church for training. It is literally like a 50 by 50 concrete paved area that's an under a roof. Um, perfect place to have a competition because you don't have to worry about raining. Right. Uh, and I basically went to the youth pastor, the associate pastor, which I, my wife and I both work with the teens as much as we can. Um, and went to him, I was like, hey, you know what? He goes, well, I'm the activities pastor. He goes, you know, I, I kind of handle all the activities the church does. So how much would it cost for us to rent that? He goes, nothing. You're a church member. He goes, we just got to get it on the calendar. So we did uh, got it on the calendar. Like, let's let's do this. And, um, you know, just started, you know, getting sponsors here and there. A lot of local. First competition was a lot of local businesses. Uh, my barber who cuts my mohawk, you know, just local businesses. From there, it's branched out. Um, it, it's definitely not easy. It's a lot of work goes into it. Um, this last one that we hosted, um, the actual, the competition director on paper was the other guy, Daniel Leathers. 
he was the uh, he was the one on paper, and he did because with me coaching, starting to coach little league football, I was coaching three nights a week with games on weekends. I had no time to really sit down and contact sponsors and set up weight matrices and stuff. So he basically did everything. Uh, and this last competition, we had, I think we had a total of ten sponsors, and it was bigger name. Like we had Muscle Pirate uh, gave us a discount on some bags for our bag throwing event. Um, can't even think of who all we had. Um, Gorilla Piss Ammonia had quite a few, just you know, bigger name, strong, not just local business, but actually strongman oriented businesses that wanted to sponsor us. So that was that was really good, and it was probably one of the lowest attendance we've had on competition. I think that was just because of more of with the coronavirus starting to ramp up again, and people were just afraid to sign up for it, afraid it would get canceled. But uh, but yeah, I mean, we've done. We just had our third melee of might, and we've had one blue collar bash. So we've had, we've done four competitions so far. We've got another one. We haven't got the sanctioning turned in yet, but it's on the calendar to be uh, in April twenty third. I think it is. We're gonna have another melee of might, and it's gonna be open and novice. Oh, nice! I'll see yeah. if I can make that one. I, I'm yeah. I'm 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 done for the year. So uh, like I'm doing like quote unquote like off season training right now. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking for competitions too. So I'll, I'll, I'll keep that in mind, man. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, uh, we're hopefully, hopefully it won't, uh, not that hopefully I, not that I don't want it at the church. I love having it there. Uh, but I'm hoping we're going to be moved in the, that new facility that we're moving the gym to is going to be ready and we'll be in that and we'll be able to have the competition there this, this time. It'll be an awesome cause it's, we're, we're going to have access to the CrossFit room, which is like 15 foot tall seating ceilings like 70 by 50 area and then the area that's strong man is gonna be in it's like 40 by 30 so that's perfect. plenty of room and uh and, and we're also the cool thing about this place is that it's, it's gonna have a uh, rooftop patio so oh nice so we're gonna talk about having uh the old building owner is already talking about maybe even having a cookout afterwards just for everybody. Oh, just that would be that. awesome. Yeah, just that that whole strongman, because I, I kind of explained to him how strongman is like a family, how everybody just hangs out, you know. And just to kind of continue that after competition, just everybody, you know, whatever, go back to your hotels, whatever, shower change, come back, we'll throw some meat on the grill and just cook out and hang out for the rest of the night. That Man, that's awesome. That really kind of does, like, embody, like, the entire feeling of the sport, like, it really yeah. is just a bunch of guys getting together like and if you're training properly it's like an it's it's a heavy training day but it's it's another training day and you yeah. you know half the guys that you're competing with so you're yeah. like you know yeah that's like, awesome that's sounds like you're doing some awesome stuff for the sport it is so funny because like we uh we usually our first event i was like we've got to have food trucks there like i want to have food trucks because I've done competitions with them and without them. Once without them, suck. Like that food truck just brings a whole different atmosphere to have people there, food on site, you know. And uh, we got a local, one of the local ones that I first competition I contacted them. Uh, I'll give them a shout out, Barrel and Swine. But they do, uh, they actually have a trailer they pull behind their truck that is a wood fired oven and they make wood fired pizzas. Oh, that's awesome. Dude. And they even went as far as the first competition, they were like, they're like, we're going to do a specialty pizza just for this. And they call it the Strongman. And it was literally like deluxe meat lovers, like just. And is that is that like permanent on their menu now? 
it, they only bring it out for competitions. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. So, so what was, what well, was bad is they've uh, this last competition. It was on September 11th. Well, it just so happened the Kentucky Food Truck Championship was that same weekend in another pl- in another town. So they were not able to come to our event, and they, I think they were more disappointed than we were that they weren't able to come. <laughs> so like, literally, like as soon as we, I did the Facebook event page for the uh, for this competition coming up in April. Like we got it up on Facebook, and I contacted them like two days later. Like, hey, Kurt, you know. I'm going to get this out of the way. You know, are you open that day? He goes, dude, I've already got it on the, he's like, I've already got your event on the calendar. I've seen you post the thing. He's like, I, you didn't have to contact me. I've already got it on the calendar. We're there. I'm like, sweet. And I was like, <laughs> I was like give me one other food truck that you guys like working with. He's like, I already got it. I'm on it. So he's, so we're going to have two food trucks there at this one too. So yeah, I'm a foodie too. Like I, living in Chicago for 15 years, Chicagoland, I, I became a foodie bad. And my wife is, my wife's job, she uh, she sells Pampered Chef for a living, and so her job is food. So she's turned me into quite the foodie. Not that I didn't like food before, but I oh I love food. That's see, that's one aspect of like you know getting stronger is like uh, I kind of carried over from when I was doing like quote unquote bodybuilding when I started lifting when I was eighteen. Yeah, uh, is like I eat the same thing like every day, like. I for breakfast, both of my lunches, and then like when I get home, like my I'm feeling really hungry. It's all the same thing. The only thing different ever is dinner. Yeah. And people are like, like, how do you eat the same thing every? I'm like, it just becomes food. Like it just becomes like, this is what I'm gonna eat real quick. Yeah. Like I then I don't have to think about it. You know. No. Like dinner, it is different, but you know. You know, my, my lunch is usually whatever we had for dinner the night before because my wife always fixes enough. She's she's she comes from an Italian family, so she usually fixes enough for dinner that I have leftovers that I can take for lunch the next day. But she usually does, you know, meals like you know, it's usually a, a leaner protein and usually carb and vegetables. So it's a pretty well rounded meal for me. Yeah, that is one of the things like being in a family that like where someone lifts like. You kind of take over the food aspect. You're like, all right, we got to have like chicken or beef or some like some main protein. We can't just like, well, maybe we'll throw that in there. Like, out of what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. My wife always is like, you're eating too much protein. I've had in the recent last couple of years actually, uh, I had a problem with kidney stones. Uh, first time I had them, I had four kidney stones at one time. Oh, and, and everybody was like you're eating too much protein. I'm like, no, it's not. It's not too much protein. I'm not getting, drinking enough water is what it is. So I literally went to the doctor, you know, the first one I went to the hospital cause it was hurting so bad. And, uh, the doctor's like, even the doctor was like, well, you know, you look like you lift weights. I'm like, he goes, how much protein do you take? I'm like, it's not protein. Like, dude, I'm telling you, like, I just, I, I <laughs> really have not the last week. I have not drank enough water. It was the middle of summer. I'm like, I've not been drinking enough water. And, what I have been drinking has had Gatorade in it, so it's all like I'm, I'm telling you. Well, let's put you on IVs and see what happens, dude. He put me on IV, and it was like literally not even ten minutes after he put the IV, and I had fluids in me. I was like, all right, I gotta go pee. <sighs> so I told you, it was, <laughs> I was like, it's it's the fluids, and they even did you know blood screens and everything, and like, but I'm like, I, I explained to my wife, like, dude, like when I'm when I'm actually training hard, and especially with my job, 
like I said on tonight, my dinner was probably, I didn't weigh everything out tonight, but I, my dinner was probably at least a thousand calories tonight, just one meal. And it's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, I'm losing weight. Like I have lost, like I was floating right around 275, 280, uh, beginning of the summer. And I'm, I weighed this, I got stepped on the scale this morning just for the heck of it. Cause I haven't been checking my weight regularly. That was 250 this morning. I'm like, Holy crap! Like I'm, <laughs> I'm only twenty pounds away from middleweight. All right, or masters lightweight. I'm masters now, so I'm only twenty pounds away from lightweight. I might, might actually have to cut. You know, that's one of those things that's annoying about doctors. Is like, uh, it, so, so last year when I went to the doctor, I was two thirty. I went to the doctor this year. I'm I'm two fifty, and uh, he was like, so. Uh, your weight with clothes on last year was 235. This year you're 250. You should be about 190, bud. We got to start talking about you losing some weight. I said, I said, okay. And I listened to him talk for a minute. And then he reiterated and talked to, started talking about like setting a good example for my kids. And then like, when you bring my kids into something, I'm, I'm going to talk shit to you. Yeah. And I was like, buddy, I'm going to be real with you, man. I'm, I'm a competitive, strong man. I'm I'm really trying to like enter the scene here. I'm not gonna lose weight. And he was like, "Yeah, you're 26. It's it's okay on your joints now, but when you get to be about 40, I said, "Dog, your your belt, your your stomach hangs over your belt. Okay, yeah. don't talk to me about losing weight. Do I not look like I'm strong?" And he was like, he just kind of dropped it, and I was like, "Okay, so we're done here then. Like, well, I'm I, I'm not gonna lose weight." I had a doctor one time, kind of along the same lines, but he was. Uh... He was talking to me. I went in with a muscle strain, and it wasn't from lifting. It was actually from doing stupid stuff. That's usually around. how it is. And uh, sorry, somebody must be having a party because I can hear music outside <laughs> my door. Anyway, we. Uh, and he's like, "Well, do you do you lift?" I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "Well, how much do you deadlift?" I'm like, "Well, you know, at that time I was, you know." For reps, I was doing around probably 420, 430. And he's like, yeah, it's too much weight, man. He's like, he's like, you don't need, oh he's, like, you don't even, he's like, you don't even need to be deadlifting it at all. I'm like, are you, and I looked at him, I was like, are you serious? He goes, it has no carryover to anything you're going to do. I'm like, oh my yeah. God. So I, I, I looked at him, I was like, okay, doctor. Um, so say my wife has my kid in one arm and she has groceries in the other arm. She gets up to the front door and she has to unlock the door. What's she going to do? He's like, well, she's got to set one of them down. I'm like, okay. She unlocks the door. What's she gonna do? What's she gonna do? Well, she's gonna have to pick one of them back up. That's a deadlift. <laughs> he's like, and he just stopped him. I was like, and it's funny because I, when I first graduated high school, I went to college, uh, and I have all my prereqs and everything for physical therapy assistant. I'm like four credit hours away from having an associate's in physical science. Um. Just never went back and got it. I have, not that they mean anything, but I have a lot. I have like four different certifications. I've had it one time or another in personal training or sports performance. Dude, don't talk to me. Don't like. It's so funny when doctors start trying to talk anatomy and stuff to me. I'm like, and I start actually naming the muscles, and they're like, "Oh crap!" Like you actually know what's that? I'm not. A, I'm not a dumb meathead, you know. Like don't don't stereotype me like that. Like I can. I can sit and talk, you know, nutrition. I can sit and talk muscles. I can talk anatomy with you all you want. You know, like I know what I'm doing. Like, 
Well, in their mind, they don't see what we do. Like they see like the bro lifters, you know, yeah. like so every oh you got to get protein thirty minutes after you're done lifting, bro, or it's not worth it. Like yeah, it's that like that sort of thing. And so and to me. Whenever, whenever I started doing strongman, I, I literally YouTubed how to do strongman, and it brought up like Alan Thrall and Brian Alsrue, and that's how I got into like learning how to do that stuff, and just going across like starting strongman and strongman DIY on Facebook, like strongmen are some of the most intuitive people I've ever seen in my life. Because if you want the equipment or you want to know how to get your lift better. You're you're gonna figure it out, like yeah. You're you're gonna talk to people because there's so much technique. It's not like bodybuilding where you you hypertrophy your muscles and which I'm oversimplifying it. Bodybuilding is still an art form in itself, but like there's more technique that's involved in strongman, and so oh, you yeah. kind of take your mind there. And I don't think in the because I I went to college too, and I was doing some HHP classes and stuff like that, and. Uh, you know, just some of the stuff that they talk about is, is ridiculous oh. when you apply it to the physical world. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> oh yeah. Trust me. Like, Oh, it's like, no, it's not, you can't. And, and doctors, you know, like you get these doctors that are, you know, in their sixties that are like, yeah. When was the last time you took a continuing education course? You know, like you're still using stuff like science changes, man. Like, like you need to you need to research and basically like I used to love going to um, the free health clinics that they have you know they'd have you know like the shopping malls or whatever and it was like a thing of pride like I would walk up I remember the first one I ever did I was working at the mall and they were like oh you need to go get this done I'm like all right and it's like I walk up and there was this like skinny cheerleader like ditty you know like tee hee hee girl and she's like. Oh, I wonder what your fat percentage will be, and I'm like, it's probably lower than yours. <laughs> sure enough, it was. Sure enough, it was like two percent lower than hers, and I'm like, this is power belly. This is not fat. This is round because of muscle. <laughs> yeah, it's, like- it's my my doctor last year was telling me like my blood pressure was too high. I was 25, and he wanted to like test me for hypertension, and uh, which I had just got done reading. Uh, like I was, I, I bring a book with me into the doctor's office. I was reading pet cemetery at the time. So my, 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 my blood pressure was a little elevated because I was reading a scary book. Yeah. And, uh, so my, you know, I go and I get like a, something done for work where they check my blood pressure and they were like, well, your blood pressure is really good. I said, Oh, that's weird. My doctor said it wasn't. And he, they were like, well, he maybe needs to check the cuff. And I was like, okay. And then I get it done at my sleep study. And they're like, your blood pressure is great. I said, cool. So then I go this year and I'm heavier 20 by 20 pounds. And, uh, he texts my blood pressure and it's like perfect. But then he goes on to tell me that I need to lose weight. And I said, do you understand? Like, where's your logic? Like, don't you think that if my weight gain was affecting my health, that my blood pressure would be higher because my heart's like, obviously my weight gain and my conditioning are growing with each other yeah it was like you know we we have the thing at work where we can get a discount certain criteria certain criteria met, we get a discount on our insurance you know through my workplace and one of them is if you're a uh, size 36 if your waist is 36 inches or smaller and i'm like dude i'm not going to be a 36 inch waist 
No. Like, <laughs> like I am not. Like, I am literally like 38 is the smallest I'm ever going to be in. Like, 38s can, depend on the genes, can be snug. Yeah, I just, went, I just went up to 40 myself. Yeah, and it's the fact of when you build muscle, muscle gets thick. Yeah. You have muscles in your waist. Like, and I actually had to go to a doctor and have my fat percentage and everything ran because they would not, they were wanting to charge me more for my insurance. I'm like, I'm not paying extra for it because I am healthier than Joe blow meth head over here. Who's, you know, got a 28 inch waist, you know, like you can't say, you can tell me this guy over here who's got scabs on his face and is picking at him all day and he's skinny because he's crackhead. You can't tell me that he's healthier than I am, than I am, you know, like I can pick him up and yeet him over a 14 foot bar. <laughs> like, no. Yeah. Yeah, we have the same thing where uh, we have the biometric health screening. Yeah. They check your like triglyceride levels, your blood pressure, and stuff like that. And then uh, it's always the height to weight ratio. They go off your BMI. Oh, my and God. And I, I, I was just telling my, my friend, we were walking back from lunch one day. I was like, yeah, I got to go do this biometric health screening so they can tell me I'm obese. But, you know, at least I'll get some money for it. Like, because they, they'll, they'll put money on like an insurance card for you or whatever. So yeah. they can. You know, you pay for your pay for your medical bills, whatever. And it's just so ridiculous to me that we're in the 21st century, and and we've we've determined that like, you know, saturated fats like butter and and coconut oil don't clog up your arteries, but we're still going off of BMI. Yeah, high weight ratio. Yeah. Oh my god, dude. I can remember when I was early 20s when I first when I first quit college and came off my mom and dad's insurance and went out on my own. I can remember having to go get my body fat percentage ran because they wanted to charge me. Like I said, dude, I haven't been below 200 pounds since I was in junior high. Right. Like, I've always been that thick kid, like big shoulders, you know, big barrel chest. I've always been that guy. And uh, I remember they wanted to charge me. It was a ridiculous amount. They wanted to charge me extra because according to my height, I'm supposed to be no more than 175, 180 pounds. I'm like... I would die. Like, I, yeah. pounds, I would die. Like, I would, that's lo- that's low testosterone waiting to happen. Right. Yeah. So you know, like, I went and got body fat percentage tested, and at that point, I was like, like twelve percent body fat. Like, I was low. Like, I was, and I'm like, see, and they're like, that's impossible. You need to go to one of our <laughs> people. So then they sent me to one of their doctors to have it done because I had it done at the gym. And so I went to the doctor, and the doctor's like, did the calipers, and I was 12% body fat. And I'm like, anybody else you want me to go to? Like, yeah, <laughs> like that. Stuff like that. It's like, it's like you're using such outdated technology for stuff. It's like, how, how can you yeah. consciously tell me you're, you're doing, you're trying to make me better, healthier, when you can look at me and tell I'm healthier, you know? They don't care about that. It's the charts and the numbers for them, man. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's easier. It's you know, yeah, I, I agree. You know, probably telling people to go get body fat tested and all that is harder, and you have to do a lot more paperwork and stuff. But if you're not looking at bottom line and you're just trying to get people healthier, that's what you want to do. You know. Well, I think for the average person, for the average person that doesn't 
you know, maybe do what we do in training or whatever. Yeah. It, that, that applies to them. If they, you know, like, Hey, yeah, you probably should go on a walk every now and then and, you know, swap yeah. the, swap the pasta for a salad and, you know, whatever. But I've, within moderation, I've sort of adopted the mentality of like, I'm going to eat what I want, what my body feels I need. And if a Snickers yeah. bar is that after a training session, then I'm going to eat a Snickers bar yeah. and I'm not going to gain weight. Like, well, it's like I have a, and I've been eating on it for two months. My nephew got married, and they had a candy bar, and they literally told us to take all the candy when we left that night. I have a, I had two. I'm, I'm a, I've got finished one, but gallon Ziploc bags full of Skittles. Oh yeah, Skittles are. Great. And those things, I will literally on training days, especially on heavy training days, like you know, our, when we train events and stuff on weekends, I'll literally just set them out in the garage on a chair and be like. Open up the bag and like they're for everybody. Like everybody yeah. just everybody just goes by, grabs a handful, throws them in their mouth. You know, like that's what we do. You know, and then I come in and like I'll fix. You know, I'll, I'll take you know sixteen ounces of vitamin D whole milk. You know, with a squirt a squirt of Hershey's chocolate in it. With sorry, that was my rabbit. No, no, that was my dog. That was my dog sneezing. Uh, but uh, yeah. But yeah, you know, like, you know, yeah, I'm, dude, after a hard training day, dude, I just need calories and protein. So I'll just down like milk and protein like it's nothing. Man, I I remember we have a gym here. It was called the War Room. Now it's like Iron something training facility. I don't know what it is now. But uh, when I was living closer to it, I was training there. Uh, I, I left a commercial gym to go there. It was, But it was a powerlifting gym. I was... I went because they had Atlas Stones. Yeah. And uh, so they don't have AC, or they didn't. And it was the middle of summer, and it was like 80 degrees in the building. And I one day I left, and like my, it's like my arms started to like seize up. And I didn't know what was wrong. And I'm driving home, and I'm in so much pain. I feel like I'm almost about to pass out. And I get home... And I like I just I just throw in some some like optimum nutrition mass gainer and some vanilla ice cream and peanut butter and spinach, and I just downed it all and instantly started to feel better. And then I eventually realized like it's the electrolytes. Like, yeah, your your body gets so depleted from every sort of mineral it's supposed to have that it's gonna draw from anything you give it. Yeah, well, it's like you know, like my job especially like. You know, we had some days that were well into the hundreds here this past summer, especially July, you know, late July, early August. And uh, during the summer, I mean, I keep, I, I have, it's a off-brand Yeti, but it's a gallon jug. Yeah. But in, in the summer, at least once or twice a week, I grab, you know, we have the, in our break room, we have the little restaurant packets of salt, like the fast food packets. Just dump it in your mouth. Just dump it in my mouth and yep. take a sip of water with it, you know, because... If I don't, like, I can tell when I haven't done it and I've been sweating a lot because, like, I just, I'm lethargic. It's hard for me to get out of bed in the morning, you know? Yeah. And if I don't, if, and, and, like, even the doctor, when I had the kidney stones, the doctor was like, well, how much sodium are you taking? I'm like, it's not that, trust me. Like, it's just a lack of water, you know, because I sweat so much. Yeah. yeah. That's, I do that same thing where I, I bring salt with me to work. And I sit it on the break table and I'll sometimes, if it's really, I'll just dump it in my hand and like, yeah. and you know, and you think it's going to be gross, but it's so refreshing when yeah. you're like, 
you wash it all down. And you're like, oh my god! Like it, it's it, it's insane the instant relief you can get from that. Well, it's funny. It was like my wife, my wife, because I go through Gatorade. Like we buy the, uh, I buy the big tubs of the powder. Yeah, yeah. There's no there's no need to be buying it in the bottles. I'll spend way too much money. But my wife was like, I don't see how you drink that stuff. It tastes nasty. I'm like. Yeah, if I'm not doing anything, if I've been sitting on the couch for two or three days, haven't been sweating, it doesn't taste good. A Gatorade does not taste good to me. No. But if I'm working, if I'm sweating, if I'm doing work, man, there's nothing better. And it gets it tastes saltier if you actually need it. Yeah, yeah, it's just like oh, so refreshing, you know. Yeah, it's that's what uh because I uh when I. If I'm feeling bougie, I'll get coconut water. Like I bring that to competitions. Yeah. And uh, there's something different about throwing back some coconut water. Like you uh, can throw back water. That's cool to chase it. But just having that electrolyte solution is just like it, it's hard to explain. It just quenches your thirst in a different way. Oh, I agree. Have you ever had uh, just totally off topic, I guess, but aloe vera water? Yeah. I lo- oh, hell yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, dollar dollar trees around here like have it for like a dollar a bottle, and I'll just when they've got it, I'll man, I I'll just yeah, I'll, I'll grab like eight bottles of that stuff. I love it. The worst part is it's so there's so much damn sugar in it. Oh, I know. It's because <laughs> I, I would do the big like liter uh, mango aloe vera water. Oh yeah, and uh, I'd bring that to work on like a Sunday or whatever. And uh, by the end of the day, like my head would hurt, and I'd be like, "Oh," <laughs> but yeah. but it was so good, right? Yeah, yeah. Like tonight, I've had. I I don't I try not to drink a pop a lot, but I have a. Uh, I love cherry coke. Um, I love cherry coke, and I love coke and bourbon. So Jim Bean, I don't. And this is getting back on the bourbon thing. Jim Bean makes a uh, cherry flavored bourbon called red stack okay dude (laughs) cherry coke and put a shot of that red stag in there oh my gosh like my wife my wife had not drunk for 10 years and she's like and she loves cherry coke i was like you gotta try it just take a little sip i'm not trying to force you to drink but i think you'll like it yeah now pretty much at least once a week she's having a cherry a cherry coke bourbon yeah, I had to. Uh, I I had to chill out myself. Where like after um, after KY Strong, I came back and I was like, "Yeah, I got to chill out on the bourbon, man." And my wife was like, "Why?" And I said, "It's just, it's good, but I'm just drinking too much of it. I swear, just I go through these stints where like I gotta stop for like I like I had I had this drink tonight, and that was only like my third time drinking in like." two months because like i'll get into that mode where like once a week i'll be like on the weekends and then it's like okay well like i'm you know for the podcast yeah uh it's because <laughs> bourbon i don't know man it's the, the, that so, flavor profile man so i'll tell you this like uh one advantage i have of uh with my job one of the perks i guess is one is at christmas we all get a fifth of jim bean but uh in the used barrel section, of course, these barrels are coming back from distilleries. Right. Um, certain distilleries, they don't drill their, they don't empty their barrels from a hole in the side. They empty it from a hole in the top. 
Oh. Well, one of the main reasons a barrel is curved is because when you drill the hole in the side, it drains better. Right. All funnels to the hole. When you drain it out of the top, it doesn't drain as well. So we tend to get barrels back from the distillery sometime that still have quite a bit in it. Right. Um, right now, I have four different jars in my setting up in my cabinet from four different well, three bourbons and one rye whiskey. That rye is going to hit when you finally drink it. That rye is going to punch your lungs. Like <laughs> It's so sweet. I've tried it already. It's so sweet. Really? But yeah. 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 It, it, it's, it's, like, it's a really sweet flavor profile. Now, I've got, I've got one up there that's a, it's a, it's Maker's, but it's set in our one of our return trailers that they didn't realize was sitting in the yard. And it's sitting in the return trailer for 13 months. Yeah. This stuff, like, you can't even hold it up to a light and see through it. Wow. It's that dark. And it is almost, I would, most people that I've let, you know, that I've given people a sip, you know, a shot of, they say it's either coffee or dark chocolate, like that bitter taste. Yeah. Yeah, that bitter taste profile. But oh my gosh, it's so good. But yeah, that's that's a perk I have of right now I think we have three barrels sitting in the corner that are at least a quarter of the way full of bourbon. Oh my god. Yeah. Why it's, why would why do they Well, I mean when you look at how many barrels they empty in a day and they're on production, so it's just like get the barrels in and out, and they're not gonna stand there and let it you know, if it's one that's hard to drain, they're not gonna stand there and wait for it to drain because they're not getting paid as much yeah yeah i guess i don't know man that's just like oh i know I, i'm so, not so much money no 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 no. if i was in your position i wouldn't complain at all thinking from a production standpoint though i mean how many how many bottles could be on the shelf that are being you know well yeah i mean especially when you look at that stuff's usually cut in half you know if you're looking at most bourbon is what a lot of bourbon's 60 proof yeah, for your, like, if you're going, like, Angel's Envy type. Yeah. Yeah. And when you look at that, like, like one of the barrels we've got right now, we had our research and development team come down and test the proof of it. And it was 120 proof in the barrel. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they, they usually water that stuff down quite a bit. But, yeah. That, 120 proof. Man, that would... That would put me on my ass, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of them is uh, one of them is uh, it. We mixed two barrels together, and we think one of the barrels might have been a uh, might have been um, Fireball. Ah, yeah. But it's got enough of the other bourbon in it that it sweetens it out. But it's just got that. It's got that that bite aftertaste. You know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cinnamon bite as an aftertaste, so it's not bad. But we're like, the first time I drank it, I was like, oh, wow. I wasn't expecting <laughs> that one, you know? Yeah. yeah. I wasn't a big drinker until I started working there. And then, now, dude, I became a connoisseur of bourbon. Like, I love yeah, it. Yeah, so you, you definitely, you, you gain an appreciation for the craft that goes into making bourbon. Oh, yeah. There's, there's a reason that, like, Glenn Fittich and Brooke Laddick will, will buy bourbon barrels to age their scotch in. Oh, that's where a lot of ours go to. Yeah. 
That, yeah, I mean, that's, well, that should be proof right there that scotch is overpriced. Yeah. Yeah, I know how much they pay for the barrel, so. <laughs> they get yeah, it cheap. I mean, you know, oh, like, yeah. Uh, pennies and pennies on the dollar type shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, don't get me started. <laughs> We uh we we actually asked I actually asked the owner of the company the entire company that owns good lord this company owns uh cooperages all over the world like Australia France Missouri Kentucky and I asked him I was like so what what would you say average you get per barrel that comes out of here and he was like profit I'm like yeah he goes about fifty dollars profit per barrel oh my god. And I'm like, like doing the math. I'm like, all right, five thousand barrels a day average, five days a week. Holy crap! <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. You know, like, yeah, they're making they're making good money on it. But hey, it's 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 a dying art, and it is a like it's still one of those arts where it's you're trained to work with your hands to do this. You know, like fix the barrels, even to watch them raise them. Uh, if I if I if I think about it, I'll send you. There's been a couple YouTube videos that our Cooper has done of, of our facility. I'll send them to you. It's really cool to watch them, how they put the barrels together and everything. I love I love seeing that shit. Yeah, definitely send them my way. Yeah, yeah, it's it's cool. Well, shit, man. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, yeah. Holy cow, it's been almost two hours. It has been. Yeah, this is uh this went on longer than I expected. So I I really appreciate you bullshitting with me, man. This has been a good yeah. conversation. Yeah. That's awesome. So, I love it. Uh, hopefully, I can make my way up to up to Campbellsville here soon and uh, come, especially training at your new facility, man. I'm excited to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, well, hopefully, hopefully that'll be open first of the year. Um, basically, any social media. Uh, I have my own private, but uh, I like to use the gym one more. I, I don't like to use a private social media. That's more for family and yes. close friends, but. Uh, any social media, basically, if you look at Blue Collar Strength Club, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, just started TikTok a few months ago for the fact that my 10-year-old decided to sign up for a TikTok account and I had to cancel <laughs> his. So so now I'm on TikTok. But, uh, but yeah, all of it's Blue Collar Strength Club. Uh, it's the handle on all of it. So, yeah, look it up. All right, man, absolutely. All right, it was good talking to you, man. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll catch you later, all right? All right, appreciate it, Eddie. All right, absolutely. See you later, man.